0: We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly name dindy dindy dong, come <laughs> on.
1: Into
2: Messi. And I will love it if we beat them.
3: Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney.
4: Aguero.
0: Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernin. Different format this week. We are going to take a little look at the upcoming Modern Soccer Coach Community Platform webinar, which is based on postseason reviews. So, I know a lot of people over here in the US, club, high school, and college, the postseason is now upon us. So, the postseason is now upon me personally. I've just got done about four weeks ago uh, from Chicago. So going through that process, there was two interviews that I heard recently that made me think about this webinar that I, that we're putting on and how much value it could have to coaches of all areas. So the first interview was from Brendan Rogers, where he talked about how becoming a head coach almost impacted his ability to learn because of the pressure so when you get to a certain level it can become more and more about results it become less about development and does that then make it harder to learn and if it does make it harder to learn then are you setting time aside in the off season where you're getting new ideas on board or also just keep developing that habit of improvement And sometimes it's difficult because we're busy all the time. And I know in the college season, as soon as the season finishes, the recruiting season almost begins. But I think he has a very, very good point in being aware, really, about whether you're learning or whether you're performing as a coach. So here's a clip from Brendan Rodgers.
2: Well, I think experiences help you. I was, you know, if you think when I went into the game, I was, I'd been coaching and you know, I was always a great learner. I always wanted to learn, and then I spent fifteen years working and coaching with with young players and young people, through to some of the best players in the world. But when you become a manager, the the spotlight's on you, and it's uh, it's a different sport then, uh, because you're you're having to impose your vision in terms of how you see the your team and your club operate. Uh, so I think I think back then I was really new to the whole pressure of it all. Whereas now at at 46, I've I, I understand the lows much better, I understand the highs much better, never to get too carried away, and just try to be systematic. And, and 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 I think you just have a greater perspective of all.
0: Yeah, I thought that was great from Brent Rogers, and it made me think about. The timing of getting better and getting improvement and are we intentional about seeking time and energy into getting better Uh, it's great to have new ideas and to read books just before pre-season to inspire us or energize us or get us new ideas but I think it takes a little bit more time to look at processes that are in place and maybe change them it's not something that you really want to change during the season and it's probably something that you really don't want to change before the season as well so that made me think another one was the Jose Mourinho press conference when he was appointed manager of Tottenham recently and of course he's been out of the game for a little while he's been doing media he's making no secret of the fact that he has changed in certain ways and one of the questions that was asked to Jose made me think about this area of reflection and how we are using our time away from the pressure of the game in order to maximise that to get better. So here's the clip from Jose.
2: You said that you are thinking a lot in the summer when you're 11 months out. I know you've been studying, keeping up to date with your documentation, keeping an eye on football changes, other sports as well. I think you quoted Darwin at one point about adapting. Despite all you've won, do you think you're now a, a new improved, Jose?
3: I think so. I believe so. I have to believe so. I, I always thought that these uh, 11 months were not uh, a waste of time. These 11 months were uh, uh, months to to think, to analyze, to rethink, to prepare, uh, to anticipate things. You never lose your, uh, your DNA, you never lose your identity. You are what you are, for the good things, for the bad things. But I had time to think about many things. Uh, don't ask me uh, what uh, are the mistakes but I realized that during my career I also made mistakes and I'm not going to make the same mistakes I'm going to make new mistakes uh, not the same mistakes so I had time I think I'm I'm stronger um, and when I say I'm stronger I'm not saying I'm fitter I was always fit um, but I think I'm stronger by the the, the emotional point of view I'm I'm relaxed, I'm motivated, uh, I'm ready. And I think uh, I think the players, they, f- they felt that in two days.
0: You never lose your identity, you never lose your DNA. But he's pretty clear there in that he's been reviewing mistakes so that he doesn't make the same mistakes. And I find that fascinating because to me, that communicates that he's reviewing processes and how he dealt with certain situations. And again, from a personal point of view, following the season, it's something that I'm trying to become a lot more intentional about as I become more experienced. And I think it can be really, really helpful to have a process after the process in order to see what worked, see what didn't, and then maybe look a little bit deeper as to why that worked and why that didn't. So for myself personally, Uh, my process that i've tried to put in place following the season would be first of all to recharge for a week or two both physically and mentally like everyone else you know i I get pretty caught up in the season mentally and emotionally so my time with my family is impacted by that and, and my family make great sacrifices that i'm really appreciative for so i owe them some time as soon as the season finishes I drove down to South Carolina and spent really two weeks where we don't really talk about soccer. We don't talk about the last couple of games. We just have time with the kids and we have time together and decompress, get away. uh, And it re-energizes you because all this time away with your family, I'm finding at the minute with young kids you know, they're getting bigger, they're changing, their personalities are forming and they're different to what they were a month ago, two months ago, three months ago. And sometimes as a coach, when you're in the busy season, you miss out on that there. And unfortunately, that's just the the nature of the business. But whenever you can spend some time to get back with your family, it does reinvigorate you and get you ready to go again. So recharging is like the priority for me the second piece for me would be the reflection piece and that goes alongside recharging so kind of when i'm on my own out running or or reading or or maybe sitting with a coffee every now and again spending some time reflecting on my experience in the season and it, it can be very very intense and personally you can be in a survival mode so i think you know how you feel when you felt it. If you have a diary to go back to, or write a few things down, or refer back to it. Each year, you look at certain conversations that you had with people and certain relationships, and a little bit of reflection on that. There, it's not a really intense process, but it's just something that allows you to think every now and again of things that pop in your head, and you kind of make a note to yourself at the time to check back in on it because. Maybe it's a a moment during a halftime or a moment during a game or a moment during a meeting, and those moments can accumulate. And I think it's healthy to go back and and think about it and think about how you enjoyed the experience and where you enjoyed it most. For me, that's really really important. Another part that I that I'm really specific about is the review process, and that's something that I've become more formal about in recent years. So, I'll send some of the work that I've done throughout the season out to one or two people that I'm close with in the game or one or two people that I'm connected with and try to get feedback on it and some things that I work on I try to work on something different every year and document it and then ask for specific feedback this has really really helped me as a coach because I did it last year and it was a player development project and a lot of the feedback was the same and I looked for different coaches at different levels in different cultures and a lot of the feedback last year, and they were encouraging me and challenging me to to really move it towards the player perspective and changing my processes significantly, not the work that was being done or the intention, but the processes needed change. So I, I took that information on board over two or three months and then went back to the drawing board redid a few things and then tried to improve on that there so getting feedback on my work from people that are outside it and that don't really have a connection to where i'm working and that also don't um, sometimes don't even have a strong connection to me personally. i don't have a really strong relationship with them i might speak to them once every six months or once every eight or nine months but when i go to them and, and send them some stuff The coaching community is amazing like that there and I find that when you're trying to get feedback as a coach, whenever you ask for feedback on nothing, it can be pretty difficult like, hey, can you watch a training session and give me feedback? Well, you don't have context of what you're trying to do, you don't have context of what your aims and objectives are throughout the season, you don't have context of relationships so whenever you ask for feedback, I think it's important that you're asking for feedback on something that's that you can actually present in a way to allow that person to interpret what exactly you're trying to do. So that's something that I'm making an annual, almost audit of my coaching every year, and I'm finding it very, very useful. So I've I've gone through that there over the past three or four weeks. I'm still going through that process and still setting up a few calls every week. And that allows me to, to go inside what I did and my processes and get a little bit better. And then the last thing for me is to renew the energy and the enthusiasm I have for the game because I view my enthusiasm as probably my biggest strength as a coach. So I never want to lose that. And I understand that sometimes energy, you need to take a step back and you need to fill it up again. And as I become older, I'm understanding what gets me that energy. Emotionally, my family give me that energy. But when it comes to the game, that energy is driven by new ideas, creativity, uh, something that I haven't looked at before and, and if someone or something can change by thinking on something I suddenly just jump at it uh, and become really invested in that subject or that topic to try and get better so picking one or two areas that I want to improve on and then once I become specific in those areas I will you know look at what books i need to be reading i'll look at what videos i need to be watching in terms of presentations in terms of who i need to be studying maybe i need to write about it maybe i need to document it maybe i need to back it up with how exactly i'm going to do it maybe i need to pick a couple of teams to watch it's always easier in the off season whenever champions league games are on earlier and and you have the weekends freed up possibly you can watch premier league games and mls games and and you can pick different coaches to study so to find out what's new and when the game moves so fast as as i've moved closer probably to the analysis side in recent years uh, i've looked at more stuff that i need to read and then because it moves so rapidly and because social media is such a good avenue for information i put a lot of stuff aside that i need to look at in the off season so it's getting caught up on that there and an off season is typically it gives you a little bit more time and you can do it without the pressure of having to maybe put it in the grass in the next day as well so moving on to the webinar with the modern soccer coach community platform Coming up on December twentieth, all the webinars are free for members of the Modern Soccer Coach Community platform. Fourteen day free trial, and then it's only six dollars a month. modernsoccercoach.com slash community. So I wanted to take an opportunity to connect with a few college coaches around the country at different levels and see what their processes were in the off season alongside their teams and obviously managing recruitment, managing the culture piece, managing the environment piece, all these aspects of the review that I wanted to see how each coach managed them and get a little insight into what their own individual goals and objectives were with everyone. So with the interviews, we've got five coaches. We've got Nate Lee from Xavier University. I work with Nate at the University of Cincinnati. We've had him on the podcast. Absolutely brilliant. They've had a really successful season at Xavier and I wanted to get Nate on, first of all, to get his insight into what was the secret behind that great season. How did he feel that the team basically outperformed in certain areas? What was that down to? And then I also wanted to see what the next step was from being an underdog towards oh, sometimes being a favourite to win games and was that difficult and Nate has an absolutely brilliant insight into, into these different areas but one thing that I wanted to share with you before the webinar comes out is Nate's processes with pre-game meetings and how it's slightly different to a lot of other coaches so here was his answer to basically you know how do you handle pre-game meetings?
5: I think our general idea has has stayed pretty consistent over our three years, but the, the mechanics of it actually evolved this year. And so this year what we did, Kelsey uh, prepares the scout of the opponent and that is sent to the team in advance of our uh, training session the day before the game. And so the, the team will have seen that already. Uh, the session the day before the game, we will, at the end, spend you know one to five minutes talking about the opponent's shape, um, what they're trying to do, how we're going to address that, um, any tweaks we might make if they make that tweak, but it's it's literally usually less than five minutes um, we visually walk them through it. The day of the game is actually when we do video and that that's new and uh, it was kind of neat how that evolved. Um, so we do the day of the game video of the opponent and then video of ourselves and how that relates to opponents, we pick specific clips and themes that we want to uh, reinforce before the game. Um, the ideology behind that is to try to have the recency effect. Um, you know, they see it right before they're about to play. Uh, obviously, the, the negative downside to it is is that maybe they don't have time to absorb it or ask the proper questions. Um, we we actually receive great feedback from the from the players. So for the time being, I think we'll will keep that same model going forward. Um, another interesting evolution is that video session, the day of the game, particularly when we're on the road, I'm not a part of. So Gary, you know me probably well enough to know that it's hard for me to, to keep my mouth shut in those environments. And I very much wanted that to be you know, Kelsey and Renee. Um, they, they're the ones who put the work in to, to cut the video. Um, I wanna let them have their voice. And so it was getting hard for me to uh, to stay in there and not say anything. And it's not because I had any conflicting information, it's just I have a different brain and different voice and different way of communicating. And so the answer was for me to stop going. Um, and that, that was, uh, I bet you the players probably appreciated that as well. I think a lot of our, our job as coaches is, is energy management, right, and um, energy management of our players, energy management of our staff, and then energy management of ourselves. And honestly, it was like draining my energy having to sit in the room and not say anything. So uh, it was easier for me to, and I'm sure it was easier for the coaches, like not having to to worry about me interjecting. And then the players like to at least hear a consistent voice. So that was part of it.
0: Yeah, I thought that was outstanding from Nate. Emotional intelligence, such a big, big factor for for successful coaching and self-awareness. Sometimes we talk about just understanding yourself again, very, very important, but One thing that I don't think we talk enough about is understanding how our behaviour impacts other people and sometimes our staff and something that, again, when I get older, I'm starting to reflect a little bit and review a little bit more about. But I think that's brilliant from Nate to to not only empower his staff to deliver the meeting, but also to show a sign of confidence that you you guys go ahead and run with this because if I'm there... And I don't know that I'll I'll help the environment be as good as it should be. So very, very interesting. I'm not sure there's many coaches out there that are not attending those meetings and also then the timing of those meetings. And yeah, he's right there. It it has a recency effect. In today's generation, is that more important than this learning piece? where again a college player is probably getting an unbelievable amount of information in terms of when they're coming to class do we take that into consideration whenever we're putting the soccer information on as well do we need them to understand on more days than others and and it's maybe think a lot about that and then nate has a 15 to 20 minute presentation on the webinar just about the different processes that they go through on a on a preseason basis and building that culture how they brought in a specialist how they developed peer to peer learning and then also then how he is trying to shift the mentality between underdogs to favorites and then how that has to shift in the evolution of the playing style as well so really really good stuff from Nate that's going to be on the webinar Another guest insight on the webinar is Nicole Van Dyke from University of Pennsylvania. So I wanted Nicole to look a little bit closer at, from that final whistle, that communication between players and staff and how the process works between the communication of feedback, the review of the season, the review of staff performance, and then how everyone uses the next 3 months to plan on ways to get better in the off season and the spring. Nicole had a really interesting perspective on getting the players' viewpoint on the season and how that could build not only more information and a better understanding for the coaching staff but how that could build trust for the player coach relationship. Here was her insight on that.
1: I think it just depends on on the time of year I think. You know, most of those meetings, they provide a little bit of feedback, I think, during those. Um, and, you know, they're generally talking about themselves in the season. And kids come with different agendas. Sometimes they've got it all lined out about what they want to work on. Some want to be told exactly what they want, what they need to do, what they want to do. Some really just want to express their feelings on the year. Um, we're pretty open to their feedback. I mean, as coaches, you know, I think we can learn a lot given that, you um, most of the interactions are really coach to player and I think from you know giving them that time to just express um certain way they feel about how the season went for them I think it also just gets you to build that relationship and I think you know when you're you're going to school and you're away from home there's a lot of other factors that contribute to their success so we try to just get a I think a big perspective on that and allow them the time to to discuss things with us I mean you know, or I think our final question of the generally is, is how can we help you? And as coaches, we if we ask the question, we have to be able to listen. So I think, again, just having the ability for them to not only receive feedback from a coach, but also um, to give us feedback is an important part of that process and just building trust for the coaches and the players.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really important point from Nicole there on how sometimes I know when I was a young coach and The season was finishing probably about three weeks prior to that there i was you know getting all the reviews ready and and thinking about all these meetings and then whenever the players would come in you'd set aside 30 45 minutes for every meeting and probably about 95 percent of that meeting was me just giving a review on performance and training and this is what's got to improve for next year and etc 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 and then at the end of it just before the time was up i would say any questions and uh, they would be probably met with you know "Uh, no you're all right uh, because they hadn't got a word in up until that point and they'd probably stop listening 15 minutes (laughs) to 20 minutes before that so i think nicole is is so right there in two ways number one to get the player's perspective and build that trust but number two to understand that certain factors that are going on in their life in terms of academics or stuff going on around soccer may have an impact. And, you know, in in the pressurized environment of the season, you may not be aware of those moments or you may not be aware of those situations that the players are struggling. So I think taking a step back and and then, like Nicole said, taking a big deep breath and not flying into the soccer is is a really, really good way to almost just bring everyone back down and build that trust and when that trust is built the relationship is typically strengthened and then you'll get more information and you'll like she said what do you need from me the player will be more confident in answering that question the last thing you want to do is to ask all your players what do you want from me or do you need anything from me and them all to say no no everything's going great but then to walk out and have a regret or two or or to think, I wish I had said this here. I think that's really important. So Nicole gives a brilliant interview, 20 minutes on the postseason and the different process, different ideas, a really, really good look into how we should maybe approach it from a different viewpoint. Another perspective that we've got on the webinar is from Yossi Raz, who is the head coach at UC Irvine Men's Soccer. And I wanted Yossi to give us a breakdown basically tactically of how he would review the season and what kind of processes he has throughout that season to review games and training sessions. And Yossi put together a whole PowerPoint and put video in it. And and it was absolutely great chat, 15, 20 minutes presentation, really, really interesting on the long-term plan for his program one thing that jumped out at me whenever he was doing the the presentation was when he was talking about the post game he highlights the gut instinct of a coach and going back to his staff and we talked about Nate and them delivering the pre-game but Yossi puts a great emphasis on the gut instinct of his coaches right after the game so again timing when do you ask for that information? And before everyone goes and looks at stats and spreadsheets and, and sits and reflects, he has a process where they come together and he gets the different perspectives before they go and, and go into the details of the review process. So here was his insight on that.
4: There's a lot of games coming in, in a very short period of time. So, so the, I think one of the most important things is to be efficient with it. I personally believe that because I have such a talented staff and all of us view the game from very different points, um, I feel like the gut instinct of a coach is very important to capture. If we can capture that immediately after the game, maybe an hour post game after we release the players, we can sit and unlock that ideas, just our gut feeling and, and generate theories. I think that's very important. So we do that every end of the match, it's brief. It's in a very casual setting. We have meals as coaches. We get to talk. We put a couple of points on the board. Uh, we take a picture of it. We go to the to the uh, to the data, and we start analyzing if our gut instinct is correct or not correct. By that morning, uh, the morning after, uh, by the time we meet the players, we already proven the most um, important um, uh, theories. If there's something crucial to the next game or something that immediate needs need to be touched on. Maybe by then we already cut the clips uh, and share that with the with the players if if our theory is correct. Uh, but once we collect all the data, um, videos, statistics, and we really evaluate uh, evaluate where where we uh, stand, we get to prove those theories or deny them, and then maybe create some others. Uh, finding weaknesses in our team that we need to improve, maybe finding uh, areas of strength of our team that we need to keep emphasizing on. We, we do that as a staff, but we also have the players have a self uh, a form that they get to uh, write a reflection for themselves. Uh, I shared that in the PowerPoints, because I believe that they as players need to really think about, OK, what do we cover when we covered in throughout the week? How is my role fit in the scout? Did I really accomplish what I wanted? Did I find my formula to be performing well? So all that guided uh, questions, allowing them to reflect on their performance. Ultimately, they try to find the recipe to be successful. Uh, the hope is that we by by the end of the season towards playoff, everybody find a, a recipe that works and that um, allowing us to be the best form of ourselves. So we take all that point and and we cut the clips that we need to cut before the next match and and we worked on obviously the next points that we have to work on in, in practice. The truth is that there's a lot more film than, than training because usually there's one session, Two sometimes I believe we trained twice throughout the season of of a double session before a match. I think most of them are just one sessions pre match. So, uh, but but the reflection is very important.
0: Yeah, again, I think it's a an absolutely brilliant perspective when you look at it, and especially the college season. Yossi is absolutely right. There are way more review sessions and way more meetings than there are training sessions, just because of the nature of the games and the schedule. So putting processes in place to almost create a quality control system for the information that you're going to facilitate to the players is really, really important and something that I didn't look closely at as a college coach. Sometimes you rush the process of giving that review to the players if you're trying to get on on an airplane or trying to get back to the bus and trying to get everyone fed. How many times as a college coach did I go into a locker room and just even with a brief consultation with my staff at best go in and review the game for them but I think he's got two great points there one is to the staff to in a casual setting with no pressure to put their put their thoughts on the board and then go back and and challenge those thoughts And then second of all is to to see it from the player's perspective and to encourage this reflection review process, which is so important. Again, the nature of college sports and sometimes tournament play at youth level over here in this country makes it really, really difficult for players to reflect Uh, whenever they're getting away from a tournament or a game. They just kind of want to get away from soccer. But you know if they've had a bad game sometimes there's a reason for that that they can take out and and maybe think about and reflect and and help them develop so i think as coaches any way we do that from from youth level right up to the senior players i think is really really important so yossi has an absolutely fantastic presentation he has a whole powerpoint with all his data his game model information some game clips as well highly recommend that that you check this out on the webinar another guest that we have on the webinar is chris rich chris is the men's coach at university of north carolina Greensboro. so the area that i wanted chris to take a look at was recruitment because it's such a big big part of the college game but specifically how you organize your team how you structure them in terms of depth or how you organize your staff around that and then how you pre-plan on improving the squad what's the timing for that when do you look at making improvements is it throughout the season is it in the review process afterwards chris does a brilliant job in in walking us through what he looks for as well and in international recruiting he gives a breakdown as well one of the really interesting things that he had was on those players who don't play a lot and playing time is obviously a big big factor in the college game and everyone wants to get on the pitch and sometimes with big squads there's not always an opportunity for everyone to get on the pitch and that can create challenges in cultures and environments so i wanted to get chris's perspective on that there and this was his answer
6: that's challenging right that's uh I like to think twenty six twenty eight is a smaller roster uh, in college soccer, and the reason why I like to have a right, right around twenty six because managing the buy in of the players is super challenging, um, especially with players nowadays. They want uh, instant success, right? They want to be they want to play right now, and I think players are maybe less patient nowadays. So as coaches, we have to learn how to manage that. So, you know, what we do or what I do, I, I try to have open, honest conversations with the players at all times. So they always know what I think, um, uh, good or bad. They always have an idea, you know, where they stand in the team. And I think if they have that honest feedback, they at least have some clarity. And that I think that helps the buy-in. You know, obviously if the, the feedback could be negative, that could be challenging. But I think if the players know where they stand and you're honest with them, that's huge. And then create an environment where um, they're able to compete and they're able to have opportunity in training. Um, And in the college season, it's difficult to do that because it's it's game, it's recovery, it's prep, it's game. But I think in between there, what I've learned, and I even learned it this year early on, the first month, I wasn't allowing our players to compete because there were so many games. Um, So I actually had feedback from my leadership group that um, got from those guys saying, some of the guys in the reserves are, are struggling buying in because they're not able to compete, A, in the games, and then in training. So, um, And and to be – everywhere I've been, Duke and UNC and these places, we very rarely competed during the week, because the reserves, except your reserve training day, because you were concerned about the bodies, right? But I, I've learned I, I think I need to incorporate competition. I need to incorporate um, – um, that opportunity for them to compete and earn a job, and I think if you do that and you provide honest feedback, that provides a level, um, a buy-in. And of course, you always have players that they're going to be disappointed, and you're just going to manage that along the way. Um, and then obviously, if a player does well, I think you need to reward it. Uh, you need to reward that player, and you, and if, by doing that, you constantly give examples to their teammates. Uh, okay, listen, if you do X, Y, and Z. You, you could you could get on the field, um so that's how I go about doing it, but like you said, uh it's a constant battle for coaches, and it's a constant, it's something I constantly have to learn and develop in my own game
0: yeah, I thought that was excellent from Chris, and again, sometimes we don't think about that there. It's very, very easy to tell everyone that everyone has an opportunity to get better, and those players who maybe haven't played a lot, you can tell them there's an opportunity you've got to prove it on the training pitch, but wow what a perspective to hear from a leadership group of players who say well maybe there's not an opportunity for them because we're not actually competing because the sessions are toned down a little bit because of the physical outputs and i think it takes great coaching to first of all have that conversation with senior players or experienced players and then back to nicole's part having that trust for the players to to tell you what they think and then for you as a coach to do something about it, and again, I thought it was brilliant from Chris where he said that highlighting that if a player does get the opportunity to give them that opportunity, and and it's sometimes it's easy for us to say that, but it's one of the cliches in the game that prove it on the training pitch. But I think it's really important to have that process in place that can measure it on the training pitch not just in gps output but also in competitive games and allowing players the opportunity to to get after it and to work hard i think is really really good so another great perspective from chris on those different challenges in college with recruitment and how to build that squad he also has a really really good answer for how to get college jobs and A nice little bit of insight on how important it is to go through the process of being a young coach and make those connections with college coaches. So really, really good. Another presentation that we have is with Megan Nemzer at Rutgers University. Megan was a player there. She's a coach there. Very, very successful program. And the aspect that I wanted to ask Megan about was... How do you almost through the youth process with the players, how do you build those level of expectations and then once they come in again, you know what processes are in place where people can get information on feedback? She is absolutely brilliant perspective on how rockers have everything in place where they break the seasons down into fours, they evaluate, they talk again like Chris said, there's clarity, there's honesty, and the player is is always aware of where they stand the interesting piece on Megan's interview is the role that they have with parents and communicating the conversations with the player and almost getting ahead of that before the player has a tough time and and calls the parent and you know talks them through what they're going through and and at Rutgers they they take that into consideration in pre-season and they communicate that with the parents so i really really enjoyed that perspective from megan so altogether five presentations interviews from five college coaches that that look at different levels that look at different ways that look at different aspects of putting processes together and then how they reflect and review on those processes with their staff really really good i really enjoyed putting this webinar together i told every coach that i wish i had spoke to them three years ago when i was college coach because i would have taken a lot from from what they were doing so hopefully it's a good insight not just to, to coaches over here in the u.s but hopefully the webinar is good insight for coaches who are looking at building environments outside the u.s and maybe there's challenges in different places that they're looking for some solutions and some ideas so the webinar will be on december 20th it will be released on the modern soccer coach community platform please go ahead check it out modernsoccercoach.com slash community you get 14 day free trial and then it's only six dollars a month to have access to everything we've got over 300 video training sessions on there We've got all the webinars and all the tactical tutorials and all the bonus content from podcasts and from the weekly stuff that we're uploading. It's all on there. Very, very easy to find. So please go ahead, put it on your Christmas list if there's still time. You can go to modernsoccercoach.com shop. You can buy a yearly pass and get a free book. So while that offer lasts, please go ahead, check it out. I really appreciate everyone who signed up for the platform we've got a lot of good feedback we're still working on improving it and adding different aspects to it so i really appreciate you coming on there taking a look signing up supporting what we're doing and then putting forward ideas on how to get it even better uh, for different webinars there'll be a webinar every month i'll look at a different aspect i'll bring on some guests and always always the objective is to provide coaches on the platform With as much ideas and as much insight from coaches who are, in the practical sense of the game, working in day-to-day, around the world, uh, with players, trying to get better, trying to make successful environments, uh, and trying to enjoy the process of doing that. So thanks so much. We'd love to know your thoughts, as always, at Gary Cornean on Instagram, at Gary Cornean on Twitter. I hope you enjoy the time with family over the festive break. I am going back to Ireland, so there probably won't be a podcast out for a week or two. Uh, But when I get back, I'll be touching base with you all. I've got a few really, really good podcasts to get out in the new year. So I really appreciate all the support as always and look forward to talking to you soon. Goodbye.
6: Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions and resources,